Welcome to Chapter 1 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Kent Gale, founder and chairman of Class Enterprises. In this segment, Gale talks about how the concept for class grew from his own experience on the vendor side, the early missteps and learning experiences that helped make the product better in the long run, and how they've worked to maintain integrity amidst accusations and pushback from vendors. HealthSystemCIO.com podcasts are sponsored by Improvada, the healthcare IT security company ranked number one by class for secure messaging and single sign-on. For more information, visit their website at Improvada.com. So uh, what I wanted to do first was to, to get into the history of class and just talk about how this came about. So first, if you want to just talk about what you had been doing at the time that this came together. Uh, sure. Back in the mid-1990s, I was working for a company called SunQuest, and we had over a 1,000 hospitals, and most of the larger hospitals had SunQuest for their lab system, and SunQuest was expanding into orders, physician orders, some clinical event monitoring and stuff like that. So it was kind of an exciting future. And, and at the same time, there was a uh, move inside of SunQuest. The owner was going to take the company public and divest himself of the company. And as that was transpiring, there were, I was in, on the management team and we were debating how do you structure the financial side of the company so it's as healthy as possible and what could be done to make it look even healthier. And, and as part of the conversation, there was a discussion that uh, maybe some things we ought to stop doing and some of those things I thought related to quality. And as we had that conversation, I wondered if other companies made decisions that were poor for the customer and nobody knew it until it actually hit the customer. And I thought, uh, wouldn't it be great if there was a company that monitored whether companies kept their commitments to their customers? Yeah. especially in the healthcare area and especially in uh, patient care areas. So uh, at the time, I just toyed in my brain. I thought that would be cool to, to have a company that transparently measured how well vendors kept their promises and met expectations. So that was kind of the genesis of it. And as part of that, the, the interesting thing was I had uh, two really good friends, Leonard Black and Scott Holbrook. And so as I was talking to them about it, they thought, hey, it sounded like a really fun idea too. And they're, the letters in their names, uh, Leonard and Scott, L and S, and K for mine, and I thought Kent Leonard and Scott, that would be a fun name for a company class, come to class to get educated on what's happening in the industry. So my brain just took off on a bunch of that. And as that got explored a little further downstream. My son Adam got involved in the company, and uh, as we officially registered the company in Utah, it represented Kent, Leonard, Adam, and Scott. So that's how the class came about. Okay. The timing is certainly something that worked out because, you know, a few years later is when um, the industry really started to boom. So is that some, I'm sure that's something that was part of the discussion with, with the founders that, you know, that this industry is going to take off so we really could have a, a unique role in it. Yeah, in fact, it's a great question because there are two elements that were critical to this. First off, both Scott and Leonard had other jobs. So as the idea started to roll forward, uh, I got I was in a position where I could actually do something about these ideas, mm -hmm. but uh, at the time, yes, there were oh seven or eight major companies that were investing millions and millions in these patient care systems, and 
to measure them was going to be exciting, but our first couple of reports that came out were all paper. I remember at our, my family, we'd, uh, I had this copy machine, and it did not have a collator on it, so we'd print out a bunch of each page, and then we'd put them around the living room or on the table, and we'd walk around and collate as a family, and it was kind of how we got the first reports out. That would be a dead end if we tried to model that into the yeah. future. So about that time in 1996-97, the Internet really came into play, and we had some technical people who were able to help us distribute these reports via the Internet in the year, like around the year 2000, when almost everything was going electronic. That really exploded the information we had yeah. so that you didn't have to have paper sitting on a shelf. You could look at a PDF document and thumb through it as opposed to having us ship you a document. I remember uh, SMS was one of our first big customers, and we printed a bunch of these reports and put them in a box and shipped it out to them, and we were so proud of ourselves. But uh, later on, SMS canceled the next year because they found that they'd set these documents on the shelf, and many of them represented information from a year or two all ago, and they needed information today. So the Internet brought us the opportunity to update performance of these vendors in real time. So it was exciting to have that come together at the right time because without that blessing, a class could never have survived. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and when you think about uh, the early reports, what were um, some of the uh, focuses of those? Uh, well, I mean, that, that's interesting because back in the late 90s, there was a huge competition between uh, HBOC, which was acquired by McKesson, and then you had SMS or Siemens at, uh, in the year 2000, and you had Cerner, and you had IDX, and you had Epic just showing up. and. It was just fascinating, all these companies that were coming out of the woodwork, and most of this was around the nurse and doctor involved in looking at patient results at the nursing unit and electronically having patient records. And I had, for 24 years before that, I had been around in many, many hospitals and gotten to know lots of CIOs and, and executives, and we leveraged those relationships to have those people participate initially. Can you imagine someone answering, spending a half, half an hour to an hour on the phone with, with me for no real reason? I mean, they were not getting anything out of this initially, yeah. but I promised them that as we gathered research, we would turn around and give it back to them. And that model works really well today where we have tens of thousands of providers who share with us their opinions, and in return, we give them free access to what we found. And it's a great uh, symbiotic relationship that creates a loyalty. We're very loyal to the providers, that so we have to get them real information that, that's meaningful to them. And in return, they've been very loyal to us because some vendors have literally tried to sue us out of existence and wanted to squash us so that we could not tell the real story. Oh, wow. So anyway, I mean, it's kind of exciting when I think yeah. back on it. Oh, yeah. And, and you talk about, um, you know, the, the relationship with, with providers, and now it's something where obviously class has been established for so long, but I imagine it, that at that point it really was a bit of a leap of faith for them to, like you said, take some time to actually speak to you and, and uh, you know, believe that they would actually, you know, get something really useful out of it. Yeah, yeah, it is fascinating to me that they actually did this. And our initial survey had over 130 questions, and that was a killer because I remember Bob Blades and Mike Smith at Lee Memorial and some others said, look, don't ever call me back. I, I'm, there's no way I can do another 130-question survey. So over time, we've uh, vetted it down to about a 25 to 30-question questionnaire or evaluation, and that uh, typically doesn't take as long and has the data we need. And, 
And we have just thousands and thousands of providers who have continued to provide us insights, and that's been exciting. And, and like I say, or, or originally, early on, it was around the patient care side, even though there was uh, obviously HR and payroll and, and a bunch of other financial applications that we measured, the real interest in the industry was around patient care applications. Now, there's an explosion around security. Holy cow, we have lots of measurements we're taking in, in security. Interoperability is just booming with yeah. data we can gather and uh, value-based care, population health. There, there is no lack of energy in this industry for us to go measure. And yeah. it's, we're just sprinting. It's, it's probably one of the more thrilling times uh, that I've ever known. And I've been in the industry for almost 40 years. So, Yeah, yeah that, that's pretty telling. And um, in addition to uh, vetting down the questions, I'm sure that there's other ways that you've had to, you had to tweak, especially early on, to, to, to try to get this model right. Yes. The basic set of questions uh, for either the IT side or for, if you would, consulting side have been modified slightly over time. But what really makes a difference is what we call piggybacks. So if I'm on the phone with Jim Turnbull up at the University of Utah and I'm talking to him, and asking him about what's going on, uh, and he may rate certain vendors that they're using, I can also throw on some piggyback questions if, we, if you would. For example, if we're trying to explore security, I could yeah. say, so what security companies are you looking at? Who, who have you engaged? How well have they done? And so I can ask four or five questions and immediately get a flavor of what's going on on the security side and start understanding and measuring who the players are, if the early indicators are good for them. And uh, so we have the basic study questionnaire, and then we have piggybacks that we have all the time. We have, in my drawer, I probably have 20 of them, and any time I get on a phone call, I can pull out any one of those 20 and add context from that piggyback. Okay. Make, make the best use of everyone's time. Yes, and now we've got, obviously, we've got CFOs. If we're talking about full IT outsourcing, if we're yes. talking about management consulting, we can talk to COOs. And uh, we can talk to pharmacy about, uh, if you would, uh, medication cabinets, uh, HR about talent management. I mean, it, it just goes on and on, the places we can drill down and understand what's going on in the industry. Yeah. And as far as the model you use of getting user feedback, uh, I can see why this is, is, has translated so well, just for you know, the transparency angle. But um, I'm sure that, that uh, as you alluded to, that, that also opened the door to uh, – criticism from vendors, and how, how have you uh, dealt with that over the years? Well, I think that is probably the best question because this data is, has absolutely no value if there's bias in it. Yeah. If a vendor can buy attention from class to get scores better, if any of that were to happen, this just is useless, absolutely yeah. useless. And there have been vendors who have literally shined a light on us to try to find out if you can pay to get a higher score. Yeah. And we've had government agencies want to pay attention and see if, uh, you know, if there's some kind of a scam going on behind the scenes. Uh, we have about 140 employees, and we have vi vigorous uh, quality control inside to make sure that this is real and that we get to report what's going on, what's really happening in the industry. And some of the vendors that have paid class by far the most money have never scored very well. Mm. And that that's not good news because I'd rather that everybody up their game and do a great job, yeah. but at, at least it validates that if you can, you can pay a lot of money and it won't move your score. 
and what moves your score. And these vendors, I think if you were to talk to a majority of the vendors, you would find that behind closed doors when they come and sit down with us, we are brutally honest with them about what we've found, and we watch for the vendors who have an appetite to get better, to help their customers succeed. And so if you were to interview us about each of the vendors, we could probably give a scorecard back to the industry on the vendors who really care and the ones who don't. We don't do that, but it literally is obvious to us if a vendor's heart is in the right place. Now, if this is a commodity market, it's different. If we're buying toilet paper or cornflakes or whatever, and we kind of know what we want, and, and we can decide if we want to pay a lot more or a lot less. That's different. But most of this is high-cost, intense effort, and it's important to know who's delivering and, and who's not. And so the vendors have tried. There are a number of them who have tried valiantly to get us out of this industry. And uh, thank goodness we've survived. And what's protected us is the provider community. They just won't let the vendors stomp on us and that is we owe we owe everything to the providers for keeping us in in the space we're in to transparently monitor and measure and report what's happening thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com to hear other podcasts visit our website or subscribe to our account in itunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast